This is Jay Sojourn, LSU beat writer for Gridiron Football, and you're watching the Fan View Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fan View Podcast here on the New Orleans Talk Network. I'm one of the hosts, Coach Hurricane Hen, and I have a good friend of an older good friend with us today, LSU beat writer and gridiron football sports reporter, Jace Lejeune. Appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Yeah, man. No doubt. No doubt. Been trying to get somebody in y'all wheelhouse on on us with us for a while, you know, to expand our horizon, reach into that Baton Rouge market, and, you know, just we, we love what y'all do and kind of support and shed spotlights on football and uh, athletes throughout the states, which is something that we pride ourselves on. You know, and before we get started, you know, we want to remind everybody, you know, like, comment, share um, on all social media platforms. You know, you can find us at New Orleans Talk Network. You can find us at the FanView Podcast on all social medias. And you can also follow the Gridiron Football. What's your social medias? Yeah, so uh, if you follow us on Twitter, it's uh, at Gridiron Football with one L because there's only so many letters they let you have <laughs> on Twitter, right? Um, but it's pretty simple on Facebook, uh, Gridiron Football USA. And it's the same thing on Instagram as well. Gridiron Football USA is where you can find us. And there it is, folks. And here, and here we go. We're about to start it off hot, baby. So one thing that we love to do on this on the podcast is we love to ask our guests to share with um the fans out there the journey. You know, how does Jace go from former athlete to working at Louisiana Magazine to becoming a beat writer for the Great Iron Football? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long journey, Coach. Uh, it really started off. I've been around the game a whole lot. Uh, my dad, uh, Ronald Jern, he was a head football coach in the Baton Rouge area for a long time. I was at a couple of different stops, uh, and I can remember my my first really early football memories when I was about 10, 11 years old. My dad was head coach at Terra High School in Baton Rouge, and it's pretty funny nowadays because uh, Marcus Randall was on that staff. He gave Marcus his first coaching opportunity over there. Okay. Uh, so really a lot of the Woodland staff now, I was pretty much the Terra staff uh, then. So I grew up around the sport, uh, but I actually graduated from Catholic High School in Baton Rouge and uh, put my foot in the door in the media side of things a little bit. And that allowed me an opportunity to go uh, work at an internship with uh, Lieber Keen and Louisiana Football Magazine. I was there for about four or five years and I really appreciate Lieber really giving me that first, you know, first uh, opening, you know, through the, through the door and learning the business and everything. And mm -hmm. uh, was over there for five years, learned a whole lot from Lee and uh, this opened up uh, a year ago, an opportunity to work with Andy Bryson and Gridiron Football and, uh, you know, expand my horizons a little bit, cover LSU football and same time cover uh, really my love, which is high school football in Louisiana as well. Uh, so I really appreciate Andy and uh, really Marcus as well for giving me the opportunity to come over. And this is my second year with Gridiron Football covering LSU and covering high school football. And I love uh, every uh, every day of this uh, working this opportunity. So. Yeah, you know, one day we love to, um, especially for the kids that watch, you know, we love to give them, like, insights on, like, hey, if sports doesn't work out for you, there's other avenues. You can use sports to use, you know, to change lanes and to get you into or closer to the game than possibly your athletics could have got you. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I want to ask, because a lot of us, 
we hear about it. We hear the term beat writer. We hear, we hear this and that. But a lot of people don't even know what it, it entails, unless you like on the ESPN, you know, platform where they just where they always got a camera in your face. But ninety eight percent of the industry beat writers, you don't see their face at all. It's right. just behind <laughs> the scenes and stuff. Like even sometimes, like some most of the insiders are the beat writers and stuff. So what goes into beat writing you know like how do you stay successful stay relevant in in that um competitive market with all the um outlets out there that could kind of hinder you yeah uh, you have to really pay attention to really the growing ever changing media because nowadays it's it's now twitter or x whatever you call it now and <laughs> social media facebook uh, so with players, too, and keeping up with players and what they're doing, uh, you really have to follow what they're doing on social media because that's really their channel now. Mm-hmm. So in order to keep up with everything going on, you really have to keep up up in pace with what really the players are doing and what they're, they're posting on social media. So uh, that is just really the nowadays and ever, you know, what players are doing now is getting their words out there for social media. So keeping up with that and just always, you know, always following it along with everything's going on is how you stay on top of it. So if you're always on social media, you're always keeping your mind out there and trying to figure out what everything's going on. And that's, that's how you stay on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and also what comes with the business is asking those uncomfortable questions at, in, in your business, which is, like prime time but as a coach i can tell you like it's like man i don't want to talk about it right now but it comes with the territory but you know for the beat writers like especially like like you're always on campus they're always seeing you you know ins and out um i remember when andy was still beat writing um every every time i would see him at lsu he was like man come on come Come talk to um, Coach Nader with me. I'm like, man, I'm tired of talk, talking to Coach Nader, man. But <laughs> but he's like, it's, it's like that relationship you have. But then it's like, after a tough loss or an incident that happened off the field, you have to ask a question because that's part of your job. So how do you navigate the personal relationships that you build as time goes on with the different coaches? You know, you meet the families and, and whatnot, and also the kids, but also have to do your job and kind of keep that line gray but not blurry mm-hmm. and still be a human at the same time yeah i mean it's a good question uh, i mean really if you you follow a team all the time you're around the coach all the time around the players all the time you understand what they're trying to do at the end of the day i mean that's that's their job and they know that you're you're just doing your job so that at the end of the day even if, if it's a tough question I mean, it's what the public wants to know at the end of the day. You have to go with what the public wants to know and make sure you get the facts. And that's all you're trying to do at the end of the day. So uh, I know we understand what the coaches jobs are, jobs are, and that they're leading their football team and uh, they got to make sure that they're on top of everything. But at the end of the day, uh, from the media side of things, we just got to make sure we're on top of the facts and make sure the general public really knows what, what's going on. So uh, it's just, you have to, obviously respect what they're doing mm-hmm. but at the same time it's just respecting each other and uh if we get to that situation where we have to ask the tough questions uh we at the end of the day it's just our job and that's what we have to do i'm trying to think of the way the, the best way to to word this this next question that i want to ask you 
But um, a lot of people in in your side of the business, they want to report the story whether it hurts the person or not. Now, like I said, Andy's a good friend of mine. Um, I, I support everything that, that he does. And with supporting that, I read pretty much read all, all the articles that, you know, that you didn't read written um for him since since joining the team and i've been on campus a couple of times while you was on campus and i've seen some things i've seen you see some things yeah and when it comes to when that when that publication gets printed it's not in there mm-hmm. and you could easily pull a pull a rabbit out the hat and be like, hey, this is this is this is what Jace about to make his name. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Is that part of growing up around football with your dad being a coach, respecting the brotherhood, and also understand, hey, I was young before. I understand, you know, I understand where these kids come from. It's not always I could make a lot of money off of making mm-hmm. reporting this, but it would damage the kid and right. I care about my area and the kid more than I care about being the first one to say A, B, C, or D. Yeah. I mean, and I relate to a lot of these kids. I mean, I've, I've grown around the sport of football a long time. Uh, I've been around my, my dad. Like I said, I've been around a lot of different places, bounced around a whole lot. Uh, so I know what, what it takes to, you know, sometimes kids, you know, are just not there yet and they have to grow up. They have to learn their lesson. It, it just happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, each kid really has their own personal journey. So right. you can't really compare it to another, another kid as they go through their personal journey. So really it's up to the kid to really grow from their mistakes. And I, I, I understand that. So I don't, I'm not really for just bashing a kid and just, you know, being him while he's down. I'm just not really for that. Um, really for us and for Red Iron Football, what we try to do is just make sure we, we promote the positives, promote the good things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Because in this world, we really need a lot more positive things going on. So focusing on the good stuff, the positives that are happening. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some times where something does happen. We have to report it. But uh, really, we try to focus on the positives, the good things that are happening, because that's what really needs promoting. And that's something, too, where other kids that are trying to find their personal journey, they can relate to somebody that's really going through that. Uh, so especially on the positive thing. So something that they can look up to a positive role model, and that will actually – results of that will have less of these negative things that are going on. So that's what we try to do at Great Iron Football is make sure we try to promote the positives that are going on. Understand that. Understand that. Let's hop into the meat and potatoes of it, baby. Oh, yeah. Now, absolutely. Now, for, for those of y'all who follow follow this, y'all know I'm a diehard LSU guy through and through. I've, I've been there since Jerry DiNardo. Oh, Okay. And Herb Tyler, Cecil mm-hmm. Collins, you know, I've been been through the ups, downs, peaks, valleys, you name it. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Now my other two cohorts, they they're Michigan guys. They're, you know, <laughs> you know, everybody don't make good decisions in their life. But being how you started beat writing for LSU when Brian Kelly got the job. 
Yep. That was my first year. First year came on the job was when his first year he yeah. came on the job. So. so, so going through year one, seeing how he had to attack the transfer portal. He had to hire new staff. He had to, you know, just change. He had to put his identity on LSU football and seeing where it's at now. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen? Just really the organization of it. I mean, you can tell really my first year going through it last year, uh, you can see like the quarterback position's not not figured out yet, right? The offensive line, that's not figured out yet. A lot of the main, the, the secondary is not figured out yet. So it was a lot of scrambling, trying to figure out what fits what, who plays where. It was a lot of scrambling around to see what, player fits what position uh there are a lot of unanswered questions in year one going to year two you can just tell from year one year two the difference i mean just the operation and and really we appreciate coach kelly for giving us a lot of access i mean he's allowing us to go to practice every single day uh at least watch an hour hour and a half of practice which is uh really talking to a lot more experienced LSU beat writers. They haven't had this much access, you know, when Les was there and when Ed was there. So we appreciate Coach Kelly first for that uh, access for us. But just seeing the organization of it, you know, coming in, everybody's just a lot more calm. Everybody knows where, like, all the positions last year that everybody was worrying about, they're much more solidified this year. Like, you come in for this year, you know who the quarterback is. Right. You know what the starting five offensive linemen really are. So, uh, really, a lot of those position battles, they, they pretty much figured themselves out. And it has to do with a lot of freshmen last year that really stepped up in big positions. I mean, last year, it was nothing but freshmen stepping up for this football team. Right. Mason Taylor, that tied in. You had Harold Perkins, a linebacker. The two tackles, yeah. uh, which is really rare to see in the SEC and be successful be successful at it so having a lot of those pieces we're coming from a lot of young guys and seeing how especially at the quarterback position Jaden Daniels how he improved throughout the year and how he ended the season off to a great start I mean great end uh, those are some things why this year coming up it just feels just a lot more natural and just a lot more smooth of an operation okay uh, let's 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 go position by position let's first first let's start with the staff um I would say since since I've been coaching football and had access to the grounds, you know, like like whenever I wanted, so so to speak, this is the first staff where I've seen like it's ran like a business. I don't, you know, when Les was there, Les was like he's an offensive guy. You know, he played lineman. He was he was in his way. So it was like I'm seeing him going from the O line, boom, 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 and then he'll step away from that, going to the fullbacks, boom, going to the running backs, and then he'll go to like the camp and like, hey, I want to see boom, boom, boom. It was like mm-hmm. it was like micromanaging with talent. Right. Then Ed comes along and Ed's just a, a fiery, you know, just, he's just all energy. Love Ed, love, love Ed, love Ed, um, personal relationship and all, you know, he's a real good dude, but it's like, uh, you know, whatever Ed is, whether it's head coach position off the ball analyst, he's going to have his hand in D line. That's, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's going to do. And so you never got to see meatball coach Johnson, you know, really right. just, um, 
shine and he's doing a hell of a job at Baylor, you know. Um, and then now you see Kelly come in, and everybody knows Kelly's an offensive guy. Kelly could easily call, call his plays like he's like he's done at numerous stops, but I'm I'm sitting there and just watching him watch Dem, Dembrock work. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there also watching Dembrock letting Cortez Hankton design the path plays and and talking like this is what we want to do. I see Frank, you know, hey, this is what we want to do. Running, I see Brad Davis just just shining and. You know, when you flip over to the defense side, you see Matt House bring this NFL approach where, look, this is this is what we want to do. This is what I see. This, make, let's make it execute. And it's like not missing a beat. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you think? You know, and, and they lost some people. Right. You know, we lost, you know, we had the intern um, D-line coach. Um, then, he, then the new coach, he had a um, – Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, Coach Lindsay. He had yeah, a health scare. He yeah. had a he had health scare. Was was took Coach Janik, who did, who was paramount for Harold Perkins and um, BJ Lowry, um kind of extend mm-hmm. last year, and now he's the D line coach. Right. And you know, you still got Steeps. You still got um Coach Cooks. Sure. Um, who 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 been staple after you know losing Coach Bush and Corey Raymond, who's Legacy that LSU, you know, to see year two them growing together, the brotherhood and all that stuff, and it's it um it's just like you said earlier, like just moving in a gel um kind of direction. Yeah, it really is. And well, you said a CEO type that is Brian Kelly because you see him, like you said, you see you would see Ed Orgeron working with the D lineman, you would see less with the offensive lineman. Uh but Kelly, every time we see him in practice, he's right in the middle. He's just overseeing everything. Uh he realizes that he's a CEO. He's the one that made these hires. So if you're confident in the hires that you made, you're going to let them do their job. And that's what Brian Kelly's really done. Mm-hmm. He's let all these coaches really work. And Brad Davis, is he's the guy coaching the offense lineup. Uh, Cortez Hankton, he's with the receivers. So there's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm Frank Wilson with the running backs. There's no doubt about who is leading that position group in practice. So Brian Kelly just lets his guys coach, and I think that's what makes him another reason why he's been so successful everywhere he's been, uh, besides him trying to get that elusive national championship, obviously. Right. Um, but really, he's done an excellent job of letting his coaches coach, and you, you really saw that last year as really the coaching on the field has also been an improvement last year and a big reason why they were able to have the, the season, the surprise season everybody uh, didn't really expect for them to have. I expected it. I expected it. I expected it. I called it. You know, nah. Don't. Now, nah, for y'all who about to, the, the comment I'm about to make, don't pay no mind to the laugh you're going to hear from our producers because okay. they don't they don't understand what's football like they post to. But let's talk about the sexy position on the field, baby. The trenches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The trenches. Oh, let's yeah. talk about this old line that's coming back, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there is a lot to love about it, Coach, and then those positions that you, you really love. And really, if you watch these guys in practice, sometimes it just, just 
just watch. I'm gonna watch the big uglies go at it, and uh, I tell you, they are very impressive. I mean, uh, there was that year with Orgeron back in I think it was like the off season in 20, uh, 2020 was during the COVID year, just before like Jamar Chase, you know, left in like 2019 too. Like Jamar Chase, when everybody would see Jamar Chase and Derek Stingley go at each other, mm-hmm. well, you pretty much have that offensive line, defense line equivalent when we see Will Campbell and uh, Mason Smith go against each other every day in practice. But the offensive line, compared to a year ago, we're trying to figure out who who the center was. Garrett Dellinger was taking snaps, and he never really played center before. Right. Uh, so this year, Charles Turner, I feel like he's his name doesn't get mentioned a whole lot, but he was a big piece why LSU was able to have the season they did the last year because he was the only true natural center they really had, and he did an excellent job. I feel like the offensive line was at their best last year when he was playing center. When Dellinger was playing guard, and then you can't undersell what everybody talked about last year, but what the tackles did last year, and Emory Jones and Will Campbell for coming here in their freshman year in the SEC and you know block against guys like Will Anderson and guys like that every single week, and mm-hmm. were able to like really hold their own against those guys uh, was very impressive. I don't think you probably ever see that anything like that ever again. Uh, what they were, what they were able to do. So you get your five guys like solid, like steady for this year coming up. And then Marlon Martinez, he's uh, in the second string as far as like at center. He's been getting a lot of snaps and everything. And he's a guy that coaches really like and for him to be that that swing guy yeah. whenever they need it. Uh, but really the second group, I feel like there's an improvement in the second group than it was last year. So it was like the offensive line has added some more depth this year. A guy that's been impressing pretty much all of us has been uh, Zalance Hurd, yeah. who is uh, Will Campbell's teammate. And He's coming. You can't not miss him. I mean, the guy he's just a he, he is he's a mountain a of a man. Uh, and so he he even told Coach Kelly when they were recruiting him, was like, I'm going to be your starting left tackle. And uh, Brian Kelly said, well, we got a pretty good one. And uh, Will Campbell as their starting left tackle. I was like, yeah, I was teammates with Will. Trust me, I'm going to be your starting left tackle. So that just shows you the confidence he also has coming in. And he's been dominant in practice, too. Um, he's got the better of uh, Deshaun Wilmack a lot of times, who's a five-star himself. Yeah. He's going to be a stud. A couple of times he pancaked him. So, uh, Bo Bordelon has looked really well. Uh, he's been playing some tackle, too. So, I feel like the second string unit has also been much improved than it was last year because you already know the starting five on the offensive line is pretty much as good as it gets in the SEC coming into this year. Yeah. I told Brad Davis um, – at the last, at the last LSU culture clearing, I said, "Man, I never doubted you as a coach, but the job that you did with Charles Turner, because a lot of people forget that he came in to the um the program as a tackle, and to to most times in high school, if you're playing tackle, you either gonna play guard or tackle, and on the next level, that's it's, it's, that's it, because." But to go from tackle all the way to center, that's a that's a huge coaching task, and to get them ready. Then also, like I knew Will was going to be Will, right? You know, just the just the growing pains and, and all of that. But em, Emory Jones, like I've watched him in in um, high school when he was at Cal High. I was like, he got some great feet. Oh, he yeah. got some. He his he was. Feet was was phenomenal. He's a finesse guy, but at the point of attack is where he struggled. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I seen him get put in the starting line, the man, man, how 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 are we gonna do that? And he was like, man, I just had to unlock the mean streak in him. 
mm-hmm. he had it in it, and then he talked about you know his upbringing and stuff like what a lot of people you know don't know, and I I won't um disclose. And then he was like, man, I just used that as fuel. And then the next day he goes out there at practice after we have that conversation. And he stonewalls B.J. Ogilard. Yeah. And this is a kid that's going in the first round. You know, you know like he just stonewalls. And I was like, that's it. Done deal. There's our tackle. He's- yeah. I mean, we saw it really a lot last year in practice. Like, he would get the better of, like, a veteran like Jacoby and Guillory, and everybody's eyes were wide, wide open. It's like, okay, like, they're going to try to figure out to implement him somewhere and because he was just so good in practice. And so when they started him against Mississippi State, uh, that was just, like, the true signs. Like, okay, he's, you know, he's ready and he's, he's, he's excelling at that role because we thought he would be a guard. But right. for him to play tackle, and that's what surprised us even more, was not only he was starring as a freshman, but that he was starring at a position we didn't think that's where he would be at right tackle. So um, it just shows you how much Brad, the job that Brad Davis has really done with this group and how really his name should be up there with some of the best offensive line coaches in the country if he has if his name hasn't been thrown so already. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, the counterpart to the offensive line, the D-line. My my specialty, baby. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Um and let, let's talk about you know you you're losing Ali Gay, losing BJ Ozilari, who is like a jack, you know, but mm-hmm. kind of you know, he's been like forty five percent of um of his snaps with his hand down the ground too. Um Mason Smith coming off of a freak injury, you know, celebrate celebrating and yeah. You know, now you can still you, you see them early on in the spring still kind of get used to it, but like towards the end of spring it's like okay, he Mason is Mason is back. Um Makai Wingle um who didn't get a lot of I guess airtime so to speak because mm-hmm. he was at Missouri. And but people forget that like he was like a freshman All American in the SEC, even though he was undersized coming in. Um, and then I was I was I was happy for Guillory, Jacory Guillory. You know, he's you know they're part of that um, twenty twenty um, recruiting class coming out of Alexandria. He was supposed to be like the next yeah, highly the, recruited, really. the next one, and it, it, like it took him a while to find his niche. Um, he went through three D line, well four, if you count the interim D line coach um, that just left. So he, and now it's like he finally starting to find his niche. You know, but replacing some of those guys, what we got coming back, um, and what's that? What's the two deep looking like? Yeah, so uh, I guess we start. I guess easiest with the, with the inside, like you already mentioned. Uh, so Mason Smith and everybody's wondering. So how is his knee? been and uh, how has he been really practicing and I have to say I mean he uh, if he told me that he tore his ACL last year at the beginning of the year I probably would have told you like that was the case I mean he was looked really good in practice and, and he's been dominant a lot of times and when, when they go two on one uh, in practice and he's actually been dominating those reps so uh, as long as he stays healthy and as long as he feels like the knee is is feeling good and uh we actually asked 
Brian Kelly this question the other day, and he said, well, the knee's been looking good for Mason Smith. So if the, as long as the knee is really good, I mean, he's in for a, a monster season. I think everybody's expecting it, and I feel as long as he stays healthy, it's going to happen. Um, and we'll see how strong that knee, that knee is uh, against Florida State, like the same game last year when he got hurt in uh, for this upcoming year. But you mentioned uh, Makai Wingo. I mean, Makai Wingo, what he did last year, I think that has to be – and LSU had, like, the number one transfer portal class last year. But yeah. I feel like the most underrated signee from that group had to be been uh, Makai Wingo, what he was able to do. It's not easy because really when Mason – not only Mason Smith went down, uh, but you really didn't – besides Jacoby and Guillory and Jaquan Roy, yeah. you really didn't have a lot of depth behind him. And then really Makai Wingo not only had to step up, but he had to play pretty much every snap. And he was an All-American last year. And we I was on the sideline in the SEC Championship game. Makai is not – he's not one of those guys like – like Mason Smith. Like when you see Mason Smith, I'm like, Mason. Like, you see Mason Smith. Yeah. Uh, Makai Wingo, he doesn't look like the all American defensive lineman, but he's just so strong and just so quick. And uh, really, his, his name is really, it's crazy how his name has flown under the radar when he was an uh, all American last year at LSU. But it just shows you the depth at defensive line. When you put Mason Smith and Makai Wingo next to each other this year, uh, you have the, the best duo and starring duo in the country on the inside. But on the a lot of the questions were the Duff, and I feel like the Duff is as good as it's ever been on the inside because Jacoby and Guillory, a veteran, right, right, like you said, and so good there. And then you look besides him, you have uh, really guys coming in uh, that have been pretty impressive as well. Uh, a, lot, a lot of these guys are guys that LSU actually recruited, like Jalen Lee, you know, who yeah, actually from, came from Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah, went to Florida and come back. He's looked pretty good. Now, there's actually a guy named Jordan Jefferson. Now, it's not the quarterback, Jordan <laughs> Jefferson, but he's looked pretty good as well. as been a lot of us. Rotation uh, role and Paris Shans, a transfer from Arizona. So what they got Taji Hill. Taji Hill. Um, he's he's been uh, getting some looks as well. So uh, yeah. So the inside is uh, has been pretty good. Um, so we look at the outside. It's kind of really the main question, right? Mm -hmm. um, going into the season because you lose guys like Ali Gay, you lose guys like B.J. Ojolari. Um, but really, I feel like that's in the a solid place right now uh, on the outside. You get uh, Savion Jones, uh, who's really a veteran. He's kind of like a guy that everybody's expecting to make the next step and be like an all SEC guy. He's a guy who's been around the program for a long time, was another, was another highly recruited guy coming out of high school. And you look on the other side, uh, actually behind Savion, you have uh, uh, Quincy Quincy's Wiggins yeah. from Madison Prep. And you're talking about basketball earlier before we tape and guys that are getting adjusted to football. But this is a guy, another raw, freakish athlete that really only had like one or two years at most at, at Madison Prep playing football. So Justin really – Getting him molded up and everything, coached up, is really the biggest thing with Quincy Wiggins. So, uh, but freakishly, I mean, he's got all the tools uh, in order to be a great defensive end. Uh, you look at the Jack role. I really like the the depth at that position, even though they're all new faces. But even though they're new faces, there's some veterans there. Ovia Gufo yeah. is a guy that stood out. I mean, just physically, just stood out in practice. I mean, he's swollen up, and I mean, you talk about build your Madden all Madden player. It's it's Ovia yeah, he, Gufo. He's, he's the prototype. 
he's a prototype yeah. for it, and uh, he's looked really good. And he, I mean, I expect him to have a really big role this year. And he actually is going to end his L, his LSU career with the same coach he started with at, at Notre Dame, as Brian Kelly. So he actually had a long college career, Notre Dame to Texas, now to LSU. So he gets to reunite with Brian Kelly, Brian Swinson. He actually had a great game against Ohio State when it be Ohio State at Oregon. And he comes in from Oregon. So you got another guy at that Jack role. And then there's a fresh there's two freshmen that really stick out to me. Uh, one of them is uh Braden not not Braden Swinson. It's uh Jackson Howard. He was actually the number one player in the state of Minnesota that came all the way down here. And he's I mean physically he he definitely looks the part. And then we add in Deshaun Womack too, who is a five-star, one of the gems of this recruiting class for LSU. So I'm not really concerned, even though there's not like an alligator, there's a proven commodity there, or BGO Jalari, the depth is pretty much where it was, or maybe even better than it was last year. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to flip over to back to the the prima donna side of the ball, the offense. You can talk about the running back position. Um, Noah Kane came in last year after, you know, a couple of years at Penn State, um, came back home. Um, you had John Emery who had, uh, you know, the, the academic issues started, started to come and the surprise of everybody, Williams, mm-hmm. yeah. who, who, who just like came out of left field, but, and just took, put the SEC on over. Probably it reminded me of that running back room last year reminded me of when the Saints won the Super Bowl in 09. You had your, you had your bell cow. Yep. You had your elusive guy, and then you just had your your tones that said, and like, I'm about to, I'm not trying to shake nobody. I'm just going to run over people. I love, to me, that was Jamal, I mean, Jay Williams was, he was like the Mike Bell for, right, for them. Right. Just like, I'm coming down here and watch out. Right. Yeah, it was. And uh, it's very interesting to see this running back room this year because you have a lot of options. And Brian Kelly even told us that this is probably the deepest and most talented running back room he's ever been a part of. Uh, You have eight guys in the running back room right now, and it's just a lot of mouths to feed, but the talent is all there, one through eight. I mean, you mentioned Josh Williams and what a a story he's been, a former walk-on right coming to the program, and he had he actually had shown some glimpses of it uh, in that Ole Miss game when he got to start, and that was the game Kayshawn Butte had that single game record against Ole Miss, Um, but uh, Josh Williams being the bell cow I mean, he's just such a – he reminds me a lot, like, as far as, like, getting hard to tackle him down on the ground a lot, like Clyde a little bit in terms of how hard it is to get him down because he's not, like, 6'3 or anything. He's right. about maybe 5'9", uh, 200 pounds, but he's just, just a strong lower body. And the way that he was just able to carry the offense a lot of times when they were struggling, uh, the, the game against Arkansas, he had a great game there uh, early on. Uh, so, I mean, later on in the season, everybody was talking about Harold Perkins, the game he had there. But uh, offensively, uh, they probably could have won the game if it wasn't for Josh Williams. So he comes in as a leading rusher and just what a, what a story he's been and a captain on this football team representing LSU and SEC media days. You have a veteran to rely on right there. But also you have a guy like uh, Armani Goodwin who's shown you some flashes. Uh, he pretty much uh, iced the game against Mississippi State last year. He was yeah. dealing with some injuries uh, last year too, but looks like he's back and he's healthy. 
You have Noah Kane, who actually led the Tigers, I believe, in touchdowns last year, uh, was kind of like your your goal line guy and uh, your power back, and uh, so he's he's your guy there. But then John Emery, getting him back on the football field is gonna be pretty big. I know he's got another year. Uh, highly recruited guy, has had some bumps in the road and everything, right. but uh, coming into this year, him. Being back with the football team, he's shown some flashes uh, of just why he was a five star. I mean, the, the catch he made against Alabama when yeah. he scored, uh, the, the run he had against Auburn on the road was was an incredible run. So he might not be a thousand yard rusher, maybe not like the season with Nick Brissett had in his last year, but he could be a guy that is going to be a big part in the rotation and was going to catch the ball out of the backfield and do multiple things for you and have some of those splash plays that we see. And then LSU gets Logan Diggs in the room too. He's from uh, actually from New Orleans, uh, mm-hmm. right from Rummel and uh, played at Notre Dame and had a really good uh, season last year at Notre Dame, had a touchdown uh, catch and against uh, South Carolina in the bowl game and had over close to a thousand yards last year. So get him in there. I think he's your, all-purpose back, a guy that can do it all. He can run between the tackles, run outside. He's got good speed, can catch out of the backfield, can uh, uh, pass protect too, but pick up. So he's probably your more complete back. And then probably the, the two most talented running backs that we haven't talked about that are probably on the roster are freshmen, yeah. and, uh, Trey Holly. Holly and Caleb Jackson. So uh, they might not make a big impact this year because there's just so many names. And uh, you also got Trey Bradford coming back in one last chance at LSU after going back and forth LSU to Oklahoma and back to LSU. And uh, so he's getting another chance at LSU. But, you know, physically, you know, that's why he's getting, getting chances because he's such a good football player and he's uh, able to capitalize on that chance. But going back to Caleb Jackson and uh, Trey Holly, uh, they might not make a big role this year. They might. Red shirt just because there's so many backs, right? So many mouths to feed. But watch out for them in the future. They're going to definitely make a big role in this offense. But this is a loaded backfield. Uh, you're not going to probably have your, your you know, bona fide number one star. You're not going to have a Leonard Fournette getting 30 carries, but you're going to have plenty of mouths to feed. It kind of reminds me back in like the mile, like the 2010, 2011 LSU football teams when they had just so many options at running back. I think you're getting back to that style of football with the backs that you got this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the counterpart to the running backs, the linebackers, you know, you, it was a up and down year uh, for the, for the, for the, for that position last year. Um, Mike Jones um, kind of hit and miss. Because mm-hmm. I, would, I would say if you, if you could describe the linebacker room last year, I would say it would be inconsistency. Yeah. Inconsistency um, start to finish. Um, but some new faces now, some new faces. And let's talk about that position. Yeah, even like we talked – I think that was a great word to describe the linebacker room last year because the star, right, Harold Perkins, even that was inconsistent. Right. It took a while for him to get a lot of reps in. And uh, even when everybody thought that he was the best defensive player on the field, he wasn't getting starting reps, even against like Tennessee and, and uh, games like that. So he came on the second half of the year. That's when everybody 
said that Harold Perkins was this great player, and he really is. So he he was dominant last year in, in the Arkansas game when he put up like five sacks, pretty much carried that team yeah. on his back in that game. He iced the game too. Yeah, he did. He did. He pretty much uh, started it and ended on that note. Uh, he was just so dominant in that football game. I, I can't remember a defensive guy single-handedly winning a football game uh, in recent years, but that's definitely one that sticks out. But I think he's going to be even better this year than was last year just because he gets another year to learn under Matt House and learn uh, really the nuances of being a linebacker instead of just, hey, go out there and just be an athlete. That's pretty much what happened last year. Just show your athleticism. Uh, so he's going to have a big role. And the good thing about this and the reason why he's going to have a great year, even it goes moves inside, is because LSU. We talked about Makai Wingo, right, being that guy in the transfer portal. That's going to be a bit. That was a big standout last year. Uh, the, that version this year is probably Omar Spates, yeah. the guy they got uh, from Oregon State. Uh, he's just been very impressive in practice. Uh, no question what he can do inside. Um, he had like a gazillion tackles at Oregon State. But what impressed me, and I saw in the spring game, is how he's able to run sideline to sideline and tracing down like guys like uh, Marnie Goodwin and Josh Williams, guys like that, side by side. So having him, the counterpart with Harold Perkins, with already the defensive line he got in front of him, the yeah. two starting guys of Wingo and Smith, uh, that – that four right there in the middle, that's where you want to build your defense around. So there's no question that that linebacker duo of Perkins and Space is going to be good. The question is, what's the depth going to be like behind them? Um, and you have a third guy that's got a lot of playing time last year, and that's got a lot of starting playing time, Greg Penn. He's yeah. back, and he's really been an underrated guy, and he's been just a solid football player, and he's going to be a great uh, depth piece for you. And then at behind them, you have the Weeks brothers. You have uh, West Weeks. You have Whit Weeks. Whit Weeks. And actually, you go to their website, GridironFootballUSA.com. I said Whit Weeks might be one of those guys that are freshmen, like last year. Uh, that makes a, a big impact this year. He had an interception in the spring game yeah. uh, against Ricky Collins. Uh, so he's been really like. He's really a freak athlete, too. So, uh, Hatton West is a veteran, too. A lot of playing time at, at Virginia. And uh, it's a lot of playing time on special teams and some rotation uh, plays as well at linebacker at LSU. So, uh, really, this is going to be – you're playing the four two five, So, you're going to see majorly uh, – Harold Perkins, and you're going to see Omar Spates a whole lot. Um, but, you know, Greg Penn, you'll see time and time again. And, uh, expect this week, brothers. And stuff, yep. yeah. yeah, right. But I really expect uh, Perkins to really have a, a big-time year and even a better year than he did last year, which is going to be scary. And let's move to the prima donnas on the field. The <laughs> prima donnas, but they sell the tickets, baby. Let's talk oh, yeah. about, I would say, This is not even an understatement. You just check check the stats. Probably the most consistent room in the building. You're in, you're out. <laughs> you know, no matter who's no matter who's the captain of the ship, the wide receiver room. I think the only the only other school like you know Bama had a had a had a nice run, um, Ohio State and Clemson, but like the longevity. Of having multiple guys, not just one guy, got to go to LSU. Um, and and it, that room came like with a surprise for for people who's like around the LSU um, area. Of the, not, not, not I wouldn't even say the LSU area that's been 
like hard nose into high school football and and watch these kids um go to LSU is is no surprise. But when you have Keyshawn Butte who who was like the darling of 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 the room last year and didn't have the year at all, didn't have the year at all. But then no no sweat. Here comes Malik Neighbors. Here comes Brian Thomas. Here comes Jari Jenkins. Mm-hmm. You know, then behind that, Kyron Lacey. Then you add into the fold uh, Aaron Anderson. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I can't remember the, the speedster. You got Chris Hilton. Yeah, Chris, you know, um, you know, coming coming into the fold. Now, then you add, you know, what LSU's been missing who since Kevin Roark. Yeah. I go way, I go way back to Kevin Roark, like a consistent threat in the past game. Like even, even he won in the championship. Dad Moss was like mm-hmm. he was option six or seven, right? You know, right. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, both running backs um, out the backfield. Then Dad, Dad, Dad Moss. Mm-hmm. So you know, but like you got to go back to like, like I said, Kevin Roark, like what a but the tight end was like real deal. Yeah, I can say you could say part of like Foster Moreau. You, you know, yeah. might not have to go back, but like with like was consistently part of the passing game. Yeah, David before maybe. Yeah, going back earlier than that. You know, so and and you, you added your Mason, your Mason, your Coles, and now it's just like man, buyers beware, man, look out. Oh yeah, this tight end, which we. Figure was going to be a strength because look at some of the str- strongest position groups on this team. We knew coming in, Kelly was going to sure up the offensive line, and he has. And Kelly was going to sure up t- tight end, and he has. And you just look at the tight end room, uh, Mason Taylor. Uh, um, we knew just watching him practice that he was going to be a big impact. He was going to make an impact last year. Probably not exactly what we thought the impact would be um but just how clutch he was as a freshman because everybody's going to point to uh, the two-point conversion catch he had against alabama the touchdown catch he had in the fourth quarter as well but he's just been so good and just he's really developed throughout the course of the year and i think he's ready to take that next step as being like mentioned along the long lines like brought bowers as far as like one of the top tight ends in the entire country um but behind them is what makes this tight end room really scary uh a guy that it is like a, a, a guy or two that's really won us over just through we only seen about four practices so far, but a guy's really won us over is Kamorian Pimpton uh, because he has some of the softest hands as you'll ever see. He does not drop anything and he's about six foot six. He's bulked up a little bit. He's about 240, 245 now and they're going to put him in the slot. He's going to be like your Jimmy Graham. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to put him on the outside. Um, he's going to be a red zone target, too, because his his uh, wingspan, his catch radius, he's going to have a role in this offense. Add in Mason Taylor, who who's, you know, does a little bit of everything. He's a great route runner, too, at the tight end position. Uh, and then the other freshman tight ends, Mac Markway, who's more of your blocker, uh, but he can run routes if you need him to. And then Jackson McGowan's kind of a mix of both. So the tight end room is, is really good. And, you know, Dan Brock wants to 
grow two tight ends. Kelly wants to use two tight ends, and you're going to see two tight ends at one time on the field this year. Did they also talk about that wide receiver room? Yeah, the wide receiver room. Like you, like you said, like every year we can just take for granted. Oh, she's going to have a really good wide receiver room, and they have this year. Uh, and really, I think last year there was a lot of pressure for LSU to try to get the ball in the hands of Kayshawn Butte. And I think they were really trying to force that last year. Kayshawn's obviously a great player. Um, but I feel like this year, uh, really, there's not that – I mean, Malik Neighbors is, is a number one coming in. But I feel like that everybody knows their role and that, you know, Jaden or, or Garrett Nussmeyer, whoever's going to be the quarterback, obviously Jaden's uh, going to be the guy going into the year. Uh, but whoever's throwing passes um, is going to be – they don't. They're not pressured to try to force the ball to Kayshawn Butte. Uh, they can throw it to Malik. They can throw it to Kyron Lacey, Brian Thomas, uh, Aaron Anderson. He is scary. I mean, he reminds me so much of like Tyree Kill, like with the Chiefs. I mean, just so explosive. That first step he has is insane when he's going up against uh, defensive backs. Having him in the slot, uh, Chris Hilton is actually. I mean, he's hungry. I mean, just seeing him in practice, he's had the most impressive catch we've seen him in practice uh, so far. Uh, down the left sidelines, he caught one, uh, turning, twisting, and uh, was able to reel one for a big play. He's your big play receiver. So, uh, really, the depth there is uh, pretty crazy. Brian Thomas, who expect to make another leap into another year. Uh, Kyron Lacey's been really a dog, uh, really, this whole offseason. Uh, mo- him and Chris Hilton, he just, they're just motivated to have a big year this year. You can just tell on the field. And then you already have Malik Neighbors. He's already shown what he can do. And maybe he can throw a couple passes like he did in the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, that's that versatility. Yeah. But that receiver room, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You have so many options there to throw to. And that's what makes this offense um, – really scary heading to this year because I don't feel like LSU is not going to be pressured to throw it to one other guy because there's so many guys that can beat you in so many ways. Reminiscence of, of, of the 19 year where you just, mm-hmm. you didn't have to, you didn't have to force feed Jamar. You didn't have to force feed Justin. You didn't have to force feed Terrence. Mm-hmm. It's the defense job. that You can't cover them all. Right. Can't cover them all. Um, and the prima donnas on the, on the um, defensive side, the DBs. You know, yeah. cornerbacks and safeties. Um, just took a big blow a couple of days ago. Um, came from Ohio State. Yeah, J.K. Johnson. Um, you no, know, fractured his foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into like coming in last year, it was we got to revamp this and we got to revamp it fast. You know, in, into Joe Fusha, into Greg Brooks, into who was who was on the um show with right. us. Um, into um Brian Brian Converse, and then my favorite. And I'm still, still shocked he didn't get drafted. Makai Gardner. Oh yeah. Um. Um. Uh, I was uh, too. Of last year. Um. Then now, they had to hit the transfer portal again. Um. A kid that I coached against in high school is Zaire. Um. He when he was he was a quarterback at yeah, at, um, at, at Lorville, and then he you know. I, we knew, like, on that Amy staff, we knew, like, the kid was special. Not, and there's no disrespect to um, Coach Self in the program at Southeastern, but I, we knew that all he needed was a chance, and he wasn't going to stay long because he was that good of a player. And now is, what, DB number one? 
Yeah, um, and it's crazy to say about that because I've actually called a lot of Southeastern games uh, for ESPN3, uh, ESPN+, Plus, and when I was at Southeastern as a student, and we actually called a lot. It was a Cole Kelly teams when they were really good, and they uh, won the Southland Conference, and uh, Zai was a big part uh, of that team. I actually called one one play in which he had a one-handed pick uh, in a football game. It's like his ball skills are just, are just amazing, and really physically he has – all the skills and all the measurables that you want in the DB. And Zai has actually gotten first-team reps already at cornerback. So I mean, he was a guy already running about as a guy that's going to break out. That's a that's a transfer coming in. And, and it's like last year, right? You have a lot of new new names. Uh, the, the talent's there, but what guys are going to be stepping up at those roles? Uh, out of all the position groups, this is definitely the most – the biggest question marks heading into it. Um, but we've seen really a couple, three or four guys really get those first team looks. And Zai's one of them. Uh, and you mentioned the injury with uh, J.K. Johnson. He's been uh, hovering around the scooter pretty much the whole whole time we're at practice. Uh, but Deuce Chestnut, uh, he's not exactly like Zai. Syracuse. He's from Syracuse. He's not tall, rangy like uh, like Zai is. He's a little bit undersized, but he's just he's a great tackler. He's a savvy veteran type of guy that you need a calming presence that you need. So he's been getting first team reps. Uh, well, Terrence Welsh is another name to watch out for because he had himself a great spring. LCA. Yep. Yep. And uh, yep, Kadiana. Yep, mm-hmm. and you have Sage Ryan, who's at uh, who's at LCA. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah uh, but he, Sage is getting some reps at, at at nickel as well. Um, some starting looks there. Uh, so at cornerback, you have like with Terrence Wells, Zy Alexander. Deuce Chestnut. Everybody's wondering about Denver Harris, who was the five-star transfer from Texas A&M. Now, I feel like that the coaches, you're giving them a hard lesson. Like, you're going to have to earn your, your way, and they're not going to give it to you. You're going to have to work for that spot. Um, so, we haven't really seen as much reps with Denver Harris, but the talent is there. I mean, he puts it all together, and there's still a couple more weeks left to fall practice, too. So, if he keeps puts that together, then he can be a big part of this defense what, what, the way we expected. Um, really, the nickel position is going to be interesting because Greg Brooks could play nickel too. Uh, and he, he's a guy that can excel in that type of role. And you've seen the, the ball hawk type, Tyron Matthew type player that Greg Brooks is. Um, the question is, you put Greg at nickel or do you put, uh, because Major Burns is obviously going to be one of the safeties. Right. Uh, the other safety that's been playing really well is actually Andre Sam. And that's another guy that I've called a lot of games for because Southeastern would play McNeese. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andre Sam actually picked off Garrett Nussmeyer in practice the other day. So he's actually been a guy, his name has been trending up, and he's been playing really well. And that's the reason why they got, uh, got a guy like Andre Sam, who's had a lot of experience at safety. So there's a lot of questions with that room the talent's there i'm not too worried about it just yet um but really there there are still there's a lot of mysteries going around the the cornerback and uh safety room which is not really used to really saying a lot because that that's been a great position group in years past and and we don't have to spend time on the on, on, the, <laughs> on the captain of the ship was was his quarterback but the thing that just was just so surprising to me and me and Coach Denbrock has a, have a good relationship. To I asked him at the at the the clinic. I said, "Man, you are the first coach that I've seen to lose a five star quarterback and not 
show like not show uh, it. Uh, <laughs> right. Man, man, you know what I'm saying? Then then to lose him to a rival, a conference rival. Was like and then he was like, Did you see Gus practice um yet this spring? He said, No, sir, I have not. He said, Watch Gus. Oh yeah. He said he said he said, It's Jaden's show. Mm-hmm. He said, just watch Gus. And then it was like the first, it was like the first play. And it was crazy because like Tech Cortez was, had just showed like everybody, like this is, this is how I teach my um, guys to get to the outside. Boom, 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 boom. And it's a field game. And just having a quarterback put the, put the ball in the opportunity for us to make a play. And Jaden goes, throws, throws a ball to Malik, Malik wins wins that rep, but then Brian goes and it's Gus drawing the ball, and you could tell it's supposed to be a seven-step drop, and he cuts his, he cuts it off at five and just lets the ball go, and Brian is still getting off of the boom, 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 and by the time he gets his hand around, somebody's like, mm-hmm. it's like, goodness. Yeah. Goodness. And then to have a, to to be, I think the person that's going to be the, the most successful in that room is a person like Ricky, Coming as a fresh, it's no pressure on him. He gets to sit, and he's the best of both worlds. He he can scramble like Jaden. He's not as fast as Jaden. Mm-hmm. He has he can throw the ball accurately, you know, um, but he doesn't have the arm power as Gus. But the thing about it is, he's a freshman. He gets to sit back, yep. get to watch, get to learn. Boom, boom, boom. And when it's my time, look out. Yeah, he's a mix of both, and you look at it, I mean, Jane, it's Jaden's show. I mean, what he was able to do last year, you can say he's the, the, the best running quarterback. You can say best running quarterback LSU's ever had, and what he, the stretch he had at the end of last year was was pretty uh, amazing as well. Um, so having him for another year, everybody's talking Heisman, Heisman talk with him and uh, a lot of preseason hype. Everybody's saying he's the, the top quarterback in the SEC uh, coming up of this year. So uh, he, he came here to LSU because he, he had some great moments at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually beat Justin Herbert, outplayed Justin Herbert when they played against Oregon and, and beat them. And uh, Jane Daniels wants to come here. He wants to win a national championship. He wants to do what another transfer quarterback did a couple of years ago when Joe Burrow did uh, from Ohio State. So him coming in here, proving his worth, I felt like he did a great job of just, you know, with all the outside noise, especially early in the year, too, about a lot of talk of putting Garrett Nussmeyer in. I thought he's just been cool, calm, and collected, and he's just, he hasn't let that get into him. And I, I really credit for the job he did last year and really embracing that. And you saw what he can do when he takes over games. He took over against Alabama, yeah. which is, I mean, not, not, I mean, that's pretty rare when you do that against Alabama. Uh, the, the game he had against Ole Miss, so that three-game stretch he had for the Ole Miss and Alabama was any three-game stretch I've ever seen a quarterback really play. I uh, have him back next year. It, it is his show. Everybody knows that. But Garrett Nussmeyer, I uh, man, he has been – I mean, it's been a thing of beauty watching him play quarterback and in, like, really the offseason. I mean, just pushing the ball downfield, being aggressive, but being accurate, too. Mm-hmm. And he's also not as trigger-happy, so he's actually going with those progressions. He takes down the underneath throws if he has to. So, And that's the thing they've been really kind of harnessing, that gunslinger uh, mode that uh, Garrett Nussmeyer is. But I feel like he's taking some big big steps. It's it's that old saying goes like if you have two quarterbacks you got none well LSU they they got two quarterbacks that can definitely play they got two QB ones everybody knows and they're in a great position right now because Jane Daniels is a guy this year 
if it happens to get hurt, you know you can rely on Garrett Nussmeyer to go in there and, and get the job done for you. We know Garrett Nussmeyer's got at most two years left after this year. Right. Uh, and then you said set it up for Ricky Collins, guy, guy coming in like Colin Hurley behind him. So the quarterback position is just great and great seeing. It's just as great as you, as you really want it to be uh, really. And we've seen some, uh, you know, some tough years at that position. Yeah. Um, but really the sky's the limit what this position group can be, especially what Jane can do this year. And I feel like he's going to have a great season this year. I don't think he's going to run as much as he did last year, but he's still going to be very effective in the run game and add him with all the weapons they have. I, this offense is going to be humming uh, really early in the year, which is going to really make a difference because I think the offense is fine. It's identity and it's rhythm later in the season. Well, they pretty much know already and you can tell in practice that this is what they're going to be this year. Big question. Big question. Yep. LSU can win a national championship this year if. LSU can win a national championship this year if, and uh, it could happen. Now, a lot of things have to go their way. Like, for example, always the case with any with football in general, Injuries. Injuries. Make sure you stay healthy. Um, there's going to be a game. It happened in 19. Uh, there's going to be an off game, and that was that that Auburn game in 19. Uh, you got to win some of those games. You're not at your at your best, and especially if it's on the road, it's going to be really tough. But really, LSU has the talent. Um, the question is, do they have like I, I thought they had the talent last year to win eight nine? I didn't expect them to win the West, but I thought that they had the talent to win eight, nine games, and they did. Uh, this year, I think they've developed more depth, and that was a, a situation Brian Kelly came when they only had about, what, 40 scholarship players are really coming in. So going to another year, you get more depth. The question is, is that depth championship level depth just overall? Um, but the starters are there. I feel like the 22 out there can win you a national championship. question is, can the depth, the guys, the key piece behind them, can they uh, – win you a national championship and some of the question marks you know like we talk about the secondary and we talk about really the depth at some other positions too if uh if they can have great years and you know the court like jane daniels takes the next step uh the receivers have a great year uh, offensive line don't have many injuries at that position uh, mason smith is healthy and has the type of season we expect them to have peril perkins has the season you expect them to have this team can easily be like a 11 and one football team uh going in and uh having a chance for another sec championship and obviously if you go to the sec championship and you win that i mean you punch yourself a ticket for the playoffs, so can it's can this team be a playoff team? I, I really think this team can be a playoff team, and uh, we'll see. Like Brian Kelly said, maybe year three. I think he said year three could be the year that we're confident they won the national championship. But you know, he surprised us last year, and then I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, LSU uh, can win the national championship in uh, year number two, just like some of these other coaches have been winning year number two, like Jay Johnson and Kim Mulkey have been doing with their program. And, and that's what I wanted to ask you. And <laughs> I, 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 I know. I know you're the football beat writer for now, but what a time to be at LSU right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been crazy. With with baseball and the and the season they had this past year with all the pieces they put together with Jay Johnson, Kim Mulkey, the season they had women's basketball winning national championship. And, you know, you have, you know, guys like, uh you know, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens representing the baseball team. You got 
Angel Reese, uh, women's basketball team, Fujay Johnson, right? right? Uh, and then football team, you can you can probably look to Jaden Daniels, uh, uh, Mason Smith, and uh, Harold Perkins. Maybe they'd be the the uh, the faces of this year's year team, this year's team coming up. Yeah, man, it was crazy because we had we had uh, Chris Goff, um, director of LGR, um, on a couple of weeks ago, and he was like adamant that that LSU team was probably like the worst team to win a national championship talent wise. Mm-hmm. And to have most of that come back on top of what you had come in, plus the tr- transfer portal is it's a game changer. The yeah. transfer portal is, is definitely a game changer. You know, is sure. so, you know, before, before we, um, in, in this, for those kids out there who interested in going into the media aspect of sports, what's some advice that you can give them to like, hey, it might not have worked for you on a, on a court or on a field or whatever. It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, these are some of the things that can help you get a leg up and be successful in this business as you have. Just get involved. Uh, get involved early. Uh, so I, for me, just as an example, uh, play at Catholic High, uh, but no one at a 5A school, and then that, that was kind of the, the teams with Darius Geis and uh, those teams are like, yeah, I probably won't play until probably my senior year. So I, I, I realized that early. But if you want to get involved with sports, sports media, is something that you want to do, be involved. Like be involved with your school newspaper. Be involved with your, your broadcasting uh, team uh, at the school. Now, not a lot of schools have that. So uh, go to your uh, local news, sta- uh, news station or uh, newspaper uh, uh, as well to see if they need any help and uh, just work your way up. I mean, it could be uh, a guy that can string along, right? Um, just get some experience that way. So always be involved, always ask questions, and always uh, be around people that can help you get that next step up. So I was fortunate to be in a really good position, um, you know, getting the opportunity with Lee, uh, Lee Burkeen at first, and then now just growing even more with, with Andy Bryson, getting those opportunities. So uh, always just be involved, uh, no matter what the task is. I mean, I started off really just uh, with, with Lee King's TV show. Just my job was to watch the food. Right for, for for the guests, like uh, just watch the food. Um, so I, don't question whatever job you start off with, but just make sure that you you're you want to be involved, uh, whatever way possible, and just work your way up from there. Um, so always be working hard, uh, always put your nose down, and uh, and then if you want to be in sports, you know that's that's the way that it's going to be. What's coming up next for Gridiron Football, man? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on in Gridiron Football. Um, we've been pretty busy uh, on our website. You can check us out, gridironfootballusa.com. Uh, we've had a lot of features. We've been doing a lot of uh, high school spotlights as well. We had a big media day the other week. Uh, we had about over close to 40 teams show up to the media day. So I've been writing about some team previews on our website. I've been going out there, out there at LSU practice every single day. Uh, giving practice reports every single day. So you won't keep up with LSU. You're an LSU football fan. You won't get the inside scoop. We got practice highlights. We got uh, really insight on what's going on every day in practice. So make sure to go groundfootballusa.com for all your LSU scoop. We'll get some LSU position previews like we've been talking about today through the next couple of weeks. So a lot of LSU coverage. Uh, we'll have uh, 
when the season starts, we'll have a couple of video like like shows that we we stream on uh, YouTube. Uh, we'll have a player of the week show in high school for Louisiana high school football. Get like the player of the week each and every week. We'll have a, a LSU show that hosts a lot of times with Marcus Randall. So speaking of uh, your buddy Marcus Randall, uh, we'll get to host a show as well called the Chase with Chase. Get a, a weekly show updating you about what's going on with the Tigers, and we'll have a uh, really we got some uh, interns working up for us as well this fall, so we'll have a lot of content from all over. We're not for Ball USA, so we're trying to branch out across the country. So we're going to have a lot of high school content, not only in Louisiana, but uh, a lot around the country as well. And then at the end of the year, uh, we'll have our uh, Grand Iron Football All-American Bowl game another time this year again, and we're excited to have it. We're going to bring it back after having it in uh, Orange Beach last year, which was a great success. We're going to have it back in uh, in the boot. We're going to have it back in Memorial Stadium in the uh, Red Stick City of Baton Rouge. So we're excited about that. So we got a lot of things going on at Gridiron Football. So make sure to go to our website, gridironfootballusa.com, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And before we go, we got to do it. One of the staples of our, our podcast, we got to ask Jay's favorites. Okay. Right. Here we go. Okay. Okay. I like this. I'm not, I'm not really used to about answering the questions. I'm usually uh, on the other end of the spectrum asking <laughs> the questions. So this is pretty pretty new to me. <laughs> Jay's favorite sports moment. Jay's favorite sports moment. Well, I have to say LSU being in Alabama in 2019. That I, has to be my favorite. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jay's favorite food to eat out on the road. Oh, out on the road? I'm gonna have to say, well, I'm always my favorite food in general is pizza. I mean, I can't turn down pizza, but it's hard to eat that on the road, right? Um, so I would say, uh, I would say, a uh, good burger. You know, it could be a burger from uh, like Sonic, good Sonic burger on the road. You know, it's, it's pretty good. So uh, yeah, some uh, can't go wrong with canes, right? Uh, so I mean, can't pass down canes. I'm, I'm raising canes. Even Louisiana, Louisiana guy. So being around that a long time. Jay's favorite venue other than Tiger Stadium to report it? Uh, the Superdome. Uh, it's just, uh, I just love reporting the Superdome. Uh, you know, I was there for the first game. Uh, my first game I ever covered as an LGB rider for Grand Island football was was in the Superdome. Uh, I've covered a lot of state championships in that in that uh, facility as well. And it's just the, the Super Bowls that have been played there, uh, really the history, the tradition behind it. It's been great. So I love covering my favorite part about it besides covering uh, LSU football is covering the state championship games and how pure those are. So I got to go with uh, the Superdome. Jay's favorite football player of all time. Jay's favorite football player of all time. It's a uh, pretty recent, um, but uh, I mean, I have to say Joe Burrow. I mean, just what he was able to do at LSU, and especially at, at that position, at that quarterback position, which has been uh, hard to come by and have that type of year. Uh, can't argue against that. So I go with Joey B. And if Jace wasn't a beat writer or doing any type of sports reporting, what would Jace be doing? Now, that's a tough question. That's a tough one. I don't know what I would do if it wasn't for sports. Um, I would probably say I would be a, about be a teacher. Uh, my, my, you know, my dad, my mom, uh, my grandparents, they're involved in teaching kids. So I feel like teaching would be something that, uh, you know, giving back to kids in the way I can, I would say being a teacher would uh, be the 
would be the main profession if I wasn't a sports writer. Oh, man, that is, that is, baby. We got to get you out there at St. Lena, man. Give oh, yeah. We got to see what the Hawks are up to this year. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, what y'all think about th- this year's group? Oh, man, um, I'll tell you what. Coming in from Amy, um, where a program was already established, winning two, two state championship and, and then leaving only, you know, leaving after the second state championship. Um, this is my second go round at St. Helena. Um, just to rebuild it back again. Um, had one of my former players get drafted by the Bills in Osiris Torrance. Oh, so yeah. to, to see the kids do that, um, had Devontae Smith, who coached Gordon, was his uh, position coach, uh, come in year one, like and work out with the kids and stuff. So it was, it, it was, it's good to, to um, grow through the learning phase. Uh, pains of it again um especially like last year we came into a situation where only one kid had scored a touchdown um only four people had played varsity snaps and to come tied for the district championship in year one going in and up in in the second round to bring that whole offensive line back to bring the whole defensive line back your quarterback was a freshman last year um you know sky's the limit for us right out there in greensburg man Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll definitely be covering the Hawks a lot a lot of times. Hopefully, we cover y'all in the Superdome too. Is what we're uh what y'all what we're hoping. Hey, we'll find out together. <laughs> That's how I'm saying we're gonna find out together, man. But uh, thanks for, uh, for 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 coming on, man. It's Absolutely, been a, been a great show. Um, remember to like, comment, subscribe on New Orleans Talk Network. Um, um, follow us at the FanView Podcast and make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe on everything that the Gridiron Football is um producing, man. It's Coach Hurricane here on another episode. Signing out, baby. It's that boy Fred, host of FanView Podcast. Tune into the NOTN app. Weekdays, 3.30 for the FanView Podcast. Go to NewOrleansTalkNetwork.com to watch more episodes of FanView Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and watch. Step Construction is here for you with a brand new offer. We now provide affordable storage sheds. Stop wasting your money on overpriced storage units and portable containers. Step Construction can provide you with a custom shed that will fit your budget and storage needs. So contact Step Construction today at 504-340-5809 for your own personal quote. Let us help you take the next step at Step Construction.